0: Every morning, Lori Dreher chooses a program for her daughter Andy's brain. She has four options on the remote control. If she chooses program A, Andy can talk, but it makes it hard for her to walk, so she needs her wheelchair. That's a good setting for school. If she chooses program B, then Andy can walk and play with her three siblings, but she can't speak much. That's a good setting when she's at home. This device is the only thing stopping Andy's brain from short-circuiting. Without it, she can have up to 200 seizures every day. Welcome to Sick Kids Versus, where we take you to the front lines in the fight for child health. I'm Hannah Bank, and this is Sick Kids Versus Seizures. Our story begins when Lori is pregnant with her fourth child. So
1: when we were 20 weeks pregnant, um, In one of the ultrasounds, they noticed a mass in her brain, um, and that's kind of what started it all. So during the pregnancy, monitoring that, the mass went away. But then when she was born, she was left with this brain malformation, which is closed lip schizencephaly. So we just kind of call it the dead space in her brain, which happens to be over the speech and motor area.
0: No one knows what caused this or why the mask goes away. Doctors tell Lori that her baby also has an arteriovenous malformation, or AVM, where the brain forms in an abnormal tangle of blood vessels, causing issues with the blood flow from the heart to the brain and vice versa. It's like a big knot of wires that you can't untangle. Brain AVMs occur in less than 1% of the population, and they're dangerous. Doctors tell Lori and her husband, Dane, to be prepared that their
1: baby will likely need surgery right away so it was kind of unknown what was she was going to be like, what functionality she would have. Um, she came out and it was amazing. She was able to nurse and eat and drink and perform, I think what the Apgar test or whatever, past, past that with flying colors.
0: But the brain abnormality does affect her. She doesn't have much strength on her right side, so it takes her a little longer to start sitting and standing. But Andy starts physical therapy, and by the time she's a toddler, She's running and playing like most other kids her age. She plays soccer.
1: She cheerleads. She has lots of friends. She's happy and sassy. You would tell her she looked cute today, and she would say, I know. And <laughs> we're like, okay, glad you like the outfit or the clothes you picked out. So she has a, the most personality of, I think, all of the kids. And just very outgoing One of the others said, how come Andy always has friends? Because she'll just walk up to you and say, you know, and she would start talking and, or play with you or invite you over. Then when Andy is three, the family takes a trip to Tennessee
0: to visit friends. Andy is out with her dad Black Friday shopping when she has her first seizure. It's a big one. And it terrifies Dane. He's right to be afraid. Andy starts having these big convulsive seizures every six months, the kind you see on TV where her muscles stiffen, she loses consciousness, falls, and twitches and jerks uncontrollably. They leave her exhausted and disoriented. It just breaks your heart to watch them go through it because there's nothing you can do. Andy is put on a bunch of medications to try and control the seizures. Each drug helps, but only for a little while, and the seizures start to change. Sometimes they're convulsive, others she goes frozen and rigid, or she stares blankly, drops her head, and collapses. Her doctors put her on the ketogenic diet, a low-carb, high-fat diet which can help control seizures in kids with epilepsy. But nothing stops them from coming. She's having hundreds of seizures a day. When she's five years old, doctors in the U.S., where the family is living at the time, want to do a craniotomy.
1: So they decided, um, we decided to try brain surgery to remove the dead space because that's where they felt all the seizures were generating from is that area. So They went in to try to do the surgery. They had to abort the procedure halfway through because of all the vascular malformations. They couldn't get to the area that they wanted to remove. So we had to close her back up. We kind of called. We had to put Humpty back together again. (laughs) And then so that option was out. And then we just had to regroup and try and find, you know, something else to do. Doctors
0: insert a vagus nerve stimulator. The vagus nerve connects the brain to the rest of the body and sends electrical currents back and forth to the brain. Lori has a magnetic device that she waves over Andy's chest to try and keep a seizure from starting. It goes off
1: 150 times a day, but then that stops working too. So unless she's sitting on the couch, surrounded by pillows, you can't let her out of your sight. So as hard as it is for us, it was awful for her because she's, you know, seven you know, eight years old, nine years old, and now about to be 10, and she can't even go to the bathroom by herself because you have to hold her hand and walk her there. Not to mention she can't really speak and tell you she wants to go either because as the glitches have increased, her speech has gone away too. So, I mean, it's got to be hard for her for having, you know, having these skills and then losing them.
0: Lori's mom has a special name for Andy's seizures glitches. When Andy first starts having them, Lori explains it to her other kids using the movie Wreck-It Ralph. In the movie, Princess Vanellope, a video game character, sometimes glitches, becoming a twitchy mess of blue-tinged pixels. So when Andy's having a lot of seizures in a day, she's Princess Vanellope. Then, a few years ago, the family moves to Kitchener for Dane's work. Andy's seizures are relentless. They've lost the Andy that they know. But the family refuses to give up, they find a neurosurgeon at SickKids who might be able to help. His name is Dr. George Ibrahim. He's a new recruit doing world-recognized research into childhood seizures,
2: and he's the only shot they have. I'm George Ibrahim. I'm one of the pediatric neurosurgeons here at SickKids.
0: In George's office, there's a corkboard of photographs sent to him by patients and their families. One is of a baby girl wearing a flower crown with the caption, Thank you for saving my life. Another is of a baby in a onesie with the words, here today because of my neurosurgeon, printed across their chest. I ask him about the photos.
2: Well, I think that's a very kind family that, uh, that, that gave me that picture too, to remember them by.
0: He deflects. He's humble when talking about all the lives he saved, or that he was voted one of Canada's top 40 under 40 leaders, or the fact that he speaks five languages fluently. He doesn't want to talk about himself, but he does want to talk. About the patients, he's still trying to help. He's especially passionate about helping kids with epilepsy.
2: If you look at the uh, you know population of children in the country, I'm sure someone knows someone that has epilepsy. Um, it is a disorder of brain circuitry, and if you think about it in terms of electricity, it just means that the brain is firing electricity um, in, in an uncontrolled way, and what that leads to is seizures. So that is the predominant feature of epilepsy that these children have recurrent seizures um, and often these seizures are very well controlled with medications but in an important minority of children no matter what you do, no matter how many medications you give, no matter what you um, change in terms of their diet in terms of uh, you know various treatments that are available, you just can't control the epilepsy
0: That includes kids like Andy but George has been researching a new type of treatment that might just change her life.
2: I think you can consider the brain as this very complex organ that is essentially uh, a set of wires with electricity flowing through them um, in multiple different circuits that overlap at different time points uh, and in different places. And uh, sometimes one or two of those wires can be uh, malfunctioning. They could be, uh, you know, short-cutting or... Um, just firing off in, in a very um, in a very abnormal way, and what you can do is tell those specific circuits to quiet down.
0: To quiet down these brain circuits, George is investigating something called deep brain stimulation.
2: It's an invasive surgical treatment um, that's kind of like a pacemaker. So it involves implantation of an electrode. Deep into the brain, through the skull, um, and those wires, those electrodes, are connected to a device that's like a pacemaker. It delivers electrical stimulation into the depth of the brain, and what that does is alter the brain circuitry in some way. And it's been used for a variety of conditions, um, and most of the evidence for its use comes from adults.
0: Deep brain stimulation, or DBS has been used to treat adults with diseases like Parkinson's and epilepsy. But DBS has never been done on kids anywhere in Canada. And there's only about 40 cases where DBS has been used to treat children with epilepsy around the world. But were any of them similar to Andy in um, sort of the vascular nature of her brain? No,
2: none of them them were like Andy. As Canada's most research-intensive hospital, our scientists pursue big ideas like deep brain stimulation every single day. Donations are what fuel that innovation. So if you want to help kickstart the next big breakthrough in kids' health, visit SickKidsFoundation.com podcast to donate. So George
0: and a team of more than 20 sick kids, neurosurgeons, neurologists, nurses, social workers, and psychologists start to work together to determine if Andy is a candidate for this new treatment. The device doesn't look that exciting. There's a small, palm-sized pulse generator that's implanted in the chest that's connected to a few strings of thin wires that are implanted into the brain. It comes with a remote control that looks like a walkie-talkie.
1: We were just thankful for somebody trying to do something. You know, I think that was the most important, instead of just saying, you are know, giving up and not doing anything else. George reaches out to the neurosurgery team
0: at Toronto Western Hospital, just a few blocks away from SickKids. The team performs the most DBS procedures in the country, but they're all on adults. George's team works with them for weeks, planning the surgery, mapping Angie's brain to understand precisely where to put each electrode and the safest way to get it through the tangle of blood vessels and into the deepest part of her brain. But no matter how much you plan, there's always risks. There are a ton of unknowns. Will they nick something on the way in? Will it cause a bleed? And even if the surgery itself is successful, Will the seizure stop? The surgery is a two-step process. First, doctors implant the electrodes deep into Andy's brain. Then, they have to wait until her brain heals before they can turn it on. The day of the surgery arrives. It's October 1st, 2018. It's Andy's brother's birthday, so the family tries to celebrate in the waiting room during the eight-hour surgery.
2: And then when Andy came in, we used a frame-based system, so it's a kind of like a coordinate grid system that helps us place the electrodes, uh, and we're able to do this with millimeter accuracy, um, specifically in the target, which in this case is the thalamus, uh, a very deep structure in the brain that has very, very extensive connections throughout the entirety of the brain, um, and then uh, we implanted the pacemaker in the chest and Andy stayed in hospital for two to three days, and then she was able to go home.
0: A month and a half later, Andy, her mom, and the neurosurgery team gather at SickKids, and they turn on the DBS.
3: Some of the things that um, a child may experience as we're, as we're turning on their device for the first time, they may see something like flashing lights. Um, they may get funny sensations in one of their limbs.
0: That's Sarah Breitbart a nurse practitioner in neurosurgery, and part of the team who works with Andy.
3: They may have, um, you know, on rare occasions, they can have uh, an emotional response uh, of, of fear or joy. Um, so really, it could be almost anything.
0: With Andy, nothing really happens, which is a good thing. Now that they have the electrodes in the right place, the doctors have to start fine-tuning it. This can take a long time. And in Andy's case, more than a year later, they're still working on it.
2: You can think of it almost like medication. You know, there's a certain dosage of medication that you take, and sometimes you're underdosed or you're overdosed, you have to adjust the dose of medication that you give. Electricity is the same way. Electricity is medication delivered directly into specific brain circuits. And sometimes that electricity is too much. Sometimes that electricity is too little. So you titrate the dose of the electricity that you give through the deep brain stimulator.
1: You know, we're still in this gathering process and trying to figure out um, what works and what doesn't. Because sometimes we can decrease the seizures, but her speech is gone and she's just very lethargic and, um, you know, doesn't want to do anything. Every day
0: is different, depending on the settings on Andy's DBS. But Andy can have a day where she has few to no seizures. It's a step in the right direction.
1: Ideally, everybody's goal is it's going to we're going to find the right balance of keeping the seizures under control and still letting her talk and run and you know be engaged in school and do the things that she normally did. So,
0: that's where that's where we all hope we're going to get to. Since Andy's surgery, five more patients have been treated with DBS at SickKids. In fact, SickKids so established the first pediatric deep brain stimulation clinic in Canada. It runs once a month and sees some of the most complex kids. Kids with nonstop stop seizures like Andy's or uncontrolled movements.
3: So, you know, we have um, patients referred to our clinic for a number of different reasons. Um, but in every case, it's a child who is struggling with a very difficult to manage symptom that You know, generally has tried multiple medications, possibly surgeries, uh, and is still struggling quite a bit.
0: It's not as simple as a one-off surgery. When I meet Lori, she has a beach bag with four huge binders in it, filled with detailed day-to-day data on Andy to share with the doctors. Families come into the clinic every few weeks. It's a huge commitment, but it's offering solutions no other hospital in the country can.
3: I think that the possibilities for this program and for this clinic are endless.
0: It's a week before Andy's 10th birthday. She's had the DBS for almost a year now. She's having a good day, with almost no glitches. So her family throws her an impromptu party. They take her to an indoor play park.
1: You know, we you've got the 10-year-old that's in the toddler area, but she was done after 40 minutes, but we tried. <laughs> but we made her a jello cake because she can't eat anything else, so we <laughs> did a jello tower out of you know the jello jigglers and had a refrigerator full of like eight colors of jello she liked it but that's you know it's kind of hard
0: andy's seizures aren't completely gone but she gets to celebrate with her family and as her mom says andy's always been a fighter from sick kids foundation this is sick kids versus thanks for listening if you want to support work like this, visit sickkidsfoundation.com/podcast to donate. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Sick Kids Versus. Sick Kids Versus is produced by me, Hannah Bank, Kate Daly, Colin J Fleming, and Gillian Savigny. This episode was written by Kate Daly. Sound design and editing by Soundworks. Production support by Aisha Barmania. For photos, transcripts, sources, show notes, and lists of donors, as well as researchers and clinicians who help make this breakthrough possible, visit sickkidsfoundation.com slash podcast.